this is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never. My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was a moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Better Than Yesterday podcast. My guest today is Jordan Wissinger. Jordan is a 67-kilo Olympic weightlifter. On the show, we dove into how he's maintained a high level of training with a full-time career. We talked about him getting burnout in 2020 and taking some time off, and we also dove into his plans on making the 2028 Olympics. So this was an episode that I really enjoyed. I think you guys are going to love it. And without further ado, let's send it over there now. That's cool, man. So what are, you, what are you doing right now? Like, what are you doing for work? So at the moment, I work as an athletic trainer. Um, a lot of people don't actually know necessarily what that is because it sounds like a personal trainer at a gym. Um, but what it really is, we work in sports medicine. Um, I work for uh, St. Luke's Health Network right now. They're a relatively large health network up in Bethlehem and Allentown, Pennsylvania, and go all the way to New Jersey, down into Reading. Um, so I work for them officially, um, but I'm at a high school currently. Last year, I was actually at uh, a branch campus of Penn State working. Um, and pretty much we do a lot of um, like rehabilitation type things. We work very closely with physical therapists, orthopedic surgeons. Um, we can do orthoped- orthopedic special tests to decide or we think, okay, this athlete maybe hurt themselves. We can kind of get a pretty good idea of what they hurt if they did, if they injured themselves. If not, we can do rehab, refer them to specialists, x-rays, MRIs, things like that. And basically from start to finish, we're also emergency response, concussion evals and rehab. So that's basically what I do for, for the most part of my time. Did you like the college setting more? Or do you like kind of being with St. Luke's? Um, currently, I actually like the St. Luke's. So I'm hired by St. Luke's and I'm stationed at a high school. Um, and it was a very similar setting. I was actually hired by Penn State St. Joe's and stationed at a Penn State campus nearby. Um, I, I like in the college setting that the athletes, uh, they're more willing to do what it takes to be a good athlete. Um, but I didn't necessarily like the hours because there was like four months last year where I'd get up at 4:45 a.m. to get there by 5:30. I'd leave at 10:30 and then have to go back at 5:30 p.m. and get home at 10. So I'd have like six hours of sleep. Yeah, that's rough. Especially, do you find like the athletes kind of look at your Instagram and and like maybe take you a little bit more seriously than somebody who's just because I had a, athletic trainers in college who like clearly didn't train or anything. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of us who are like that. Um. When they find out about what I do and my Instagram and that, I'm, I like to consider myself a relatively successful weightlifting hobbyist. Um, they, I don't necessarily tell my athletes, especially if they're newer. So like two years ago when I went to Penn State and then this past year when I went to uh, the high school I'm at now, I didn't tell the kids what I did. Um, and eventually they would find out. Uh, my Instagram, you know, you have some Snoopy kids who like doing it and then I'll talk about it. But once when they find out and then, yeah, then they get all kinds of questions and uh, they definitely, you can tell there's a bit more of a respect then. Um, but I don't necessarily feel like it's necessary for me to tell them right away. Um, but yeah, they definitely give you a little bit more respect and um, they kind of are more willing to take what you tell them in types of rehab and how to get better uh, with a bit more weight to it. So you consider yourself a hobbyist in weightlifting? Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily consider myself a professional of any kind or um, even anything relatively good. Although some people may think of me as good. I don't, I, I, I do it for fun. I train an hour and a half to two hours a day. And then the rest of my day, I'm, I don't think about weightlifting. So, Wow, that's interesting, man. That's That's super interesting to hear. Like, was there a point where you, where you were like, kind of taking it like professionally oh my god yeah oh yeah and um i can't necessarily say a hundred percent of my career i took it as if i'm just like a hobbyist um in 20 i don't know when it was i guess 2017 2018 um when i first made the junior pan am and world team i was taking it super seriously 
also at the time it's helpful when you're trying to impress a girl uh trying to show off which thankfully as you can see in the maybe the photos behind me now my wife so uh that worked out well for me um but uh i took that super seriously at the time spent two hours training um i would go home stretch i would meditate at night um took thc free uh free cbd oil to sleep a little better at night would wake up stretch again track my macros religiously for years on end um, and why I consider myself a bit more of a hobbyist now is I don't necessarily do all those things. I'll still stretch. Um, I'm just getting back into taking my nutrition seriously again. But for like the past year, I really didn't. I didn't track macros at all. I didn't weigh anything. I just made sure I was eating some form of protein and I didn't get too heavy on the scale. Um, but for the most part, I've had a lot of nights the past year where I haven't slept a decent eight hours or so. I've had plenty of five to seven hour sleep nights. So that's why I don't consider myself a professional. I don't take it nearly as seriously as I once did. Um, at the moment, I'm kind of getting back into it that way though. I'm trying to push a little harder and get more towards that area. Talk us through kind of like your thought process when you when you stopped taking it as seriously. Like, was there a point where you didn't have motivation or like you stopped going to the gym altogether? Um. I've, I've had a bit of a roller coaster of a career in motivation. I think a lot of people who've been in the same sport for many years from their life on end have had that same or a similar scenario where they've had a roller coaster of times they've been super motivated. They're doing incredibly well, in our case, say in the gym with weightlifting. And then there's times where they're plateauing and they just don't have the motivation. The biggest one that I had was about a year ago coming up pretty soon, basically once when um, the COVID pandemic happened, I had been... Uh, training really hard for world teams and Pan Am teams. Um, and not, I don't want to say necessarily seeing the results that I wanted to see, but there was a lot of combination of, I wasn't necessarily progressing as well as I wanted to. With that being said, I had just purchased a home. I was getting married. I renovated the home. So I didn't put as much time into it at the time. Um, but the big one a year ago I lost a lot of motivation. I wasn't necessarily improving as much as I'd like to. And with all the training I was doing uh, for, for teams and to try and stay on international teams, um, I had to travel a ton to either go to those international meets or go to national meets. And I was just getting really burnt out with all the travel, all the training. Um, and I don't want to say lack of support um, because that could be a very long topic, but I didn't necessarily feel as if I was really well supported through USA weightlifting, not that they owe me anything, but I didn't really feel like I was getting a ton of support. So I thought, well, I have other things going for me. I need to focus on a career, something that's actually going to put money in my bank and food on my table, especially now that we own a home, have dogs, have cars, and I'm going to have student loan payments coming up soon. So I needed to kind of take some time away from weightlifting was really well burnt out last year. And I said, look, I basically got to the point where pretty much guaranteed I wasn't going to be going to the Olympics this year. So I said, let's take a break. I'm really well burnt out from all the travel. I think in 2019, I was on a plane like 12 times in 2019. So that's quite a bit of travel. And so yeah, we're, we'll take a break. Um, in terms of training during that time, I kind of did my own thing. I wanted to do some bodybuilding type stuff for a little bit, just to try and find like the love for the gym again. Cause there was, there were weeks that I did not even want to step foot into a gym at all and not even pick up a weight. So I took like two weeks of not doing anything. And then I went to the, to either in my garage where I have a little bit of a gym set up or to another gym um, that wasn't a weightlifting associated gym and just did some bodybuilding stuff just to try and get back into it and enjoy lifting weights again. And eventually got back into a bit more weightlifting stuff and went back to garage strength to get back into weightlifting again after I felt I had, recouped then yeah and that was definitely something i was going to ask like usa weightlifting is not you're not like it's not a professional i guess sport like you, you're not on a contract you're not on a team so every year you're kind of you always have to perform there's not a time when you can like relax and take it easy yeah so that that's kind of where the whole traveling 12 times and 2019 kind of bit me was the amount of time trying to uh, stay on a team and the expenses with that and at the time uh, doing a master's degree, buying a home, renovating it, and 
not necessarily having the time of like getting really well burnt out. Like you said, USA weightlifting, I'm not a contracted athlete of any kind. I'm not on a, I have no stipend of any kind. So everything I do is out of pocket. So it got to the point I needed a break. That's insane to think about. And me just as a fan of weightlifting, like you're one of you and Jake are two of the top athletes in the United States. And it's like, it's crazy that you have to pay your own way and you have to, the amount of training that it takes for you to get 1% better is so much. And like, there's, there's, it's, it's like sad to hear that there's no support there. Yeah. And, and I get where, especially in our case, USA weightlifting, I, I get where they're coming from. They have a lot of really good athletes who will be going to the Olympics. And as they get closer to that time, that competition, they should be supporting them more. Um, this could definitely be a topic for another time and another conversation, but I've had a lot of conversations with coaches that feel as if USA weightlifting could be doing a better job on um, uh, developmental athletes. Those who are really close to making it to international teams. And if they just give them just a little bit, uh, even especially like financially, such a big help for a lot of people that even like a hundred, 200 bucks a month is that just provides the motivation They go, Oh my God, look, I get a little bit of money in my bank account from USA weightlifting. That's amazing. It's like the, the spark that started the fire for a lot of athletes. So something even as small as like 100, 200 bucks a month for an athlete who's close to making it big could be that spark for motivation that they can train to get to become the next CJ Cummings, Harrison Morris, Kate Nye, something like that. Yeah. Well, Phil Andrews just started following the podcast, so hopefully he's oh, yeah. listening in to this one and uh, takes your suggestion seriously. Let's uh, let's just take it back to the beginning a little bit. Like, how did you get into the sport? I know you did CrossFit for a while, so why weightlifting? What was the transition like? So, I guess there needs to be a little bit of a, a backstory behind that. When I was in high school, I wrestled. I was never really an amazing athlete up until about the tenth grade, and I wouldn't even consider myself amazing. I was a subpar wrestler. Okay. But in Pennsylvania, wrestling's pretty big. So um, when I got okay at wrestling, I thought, ooh, it'd be cool if I went to, say, like a college or university and wrestled for them and had like a name of an institute that I'm wrestling for. And I've always, I'm a very big, like American type guy. I love, love America, right? So it'd be amazing if even one day I could like represent America in some way. So going through high school wrestling, Found CrossFit in the process. Senior year, stopped wrestling because I was relatively good at CrossFit. And I thought, okay. Um, almost made the CrossFit Games as uh, uh, a youth. Um, I was, I, uh, I missed the age cutoff by like two weeks, but I still did all the events. And I would have gone to the Games as uh, a youth, the, like the first year that they had it. I go, okay, well, I missed that. In order for me to still make it in CrossFit, at the time I was really in CrossFit still, like I definitely got to get stronger. I'm five, six, I'm small, but I could put, spend a few years putting on some muscle mass, get good at the very least at Olympic weightlifting. Cause there's a lot of Olympic lifts in the sport. So if I get very good and very strong at the Olympic lifts, um, that'll carry over into like Metcons and stuff like that. So, uh, my freshman year of college, I guess fall of 2015, um, I decided I'm going to take from August until December to basically do nothing but squats, pools, and weightlifting, and maybe do a CrossFit workout here and there, but for the most part, get good at weightlifting. And uh, as I did that, uh, my squats jumped dramatically. My snatch went from like 225, weighing like 165 pounds, to uh, I think my best was 265 or 270 in the same weight. And my clean and jerk went from like 275 to I think 315, 320. And uh, I realized I made the total to go to junior nationals in 2016. It was in, actually it was in somewhere near Philadelphia. I forget what the name of it is. Near King of Prussia. Um, and I go, okay, well, now I need a weightlifting coach to go do this because I thought it'd be fun to do. And I dabbled in weightlifting a little bit, went to a few local meets and uh, did okay there. And I go, well, let me try with this weightlifting thing full-time for about a year, and we'll see where it takes me. And within a year, went to 2017 Junior Nationals, made the 2017 Junior Pan Am team and Junior World team. And I go, all right, well, now I have USA on my, on my chest and on my back. Why don't I just stick with weightlifting? <laughs> so 
that's kind of the process. I, I really, for the most part, I, I wanted to ha be able to represent the USA on an international stage in some way. I guess my next level would be the Olympics in some way. Um, and at this point, my main goal for weightlifting is to make the 2028 Olympics in LA. Because uh, as of now, I'd like to retire there in my home country at the Olympics. It'd be a really cool way of retiring, I think, from the sport, at least competitively. Um, so that's my main goal. We're still going to be shooting for like 2024 in Paris, being it that weightlifting is still in the Olympics come those Olympics. So, yeah, that's, that's not a guarantee right now with everything yeah. that's been going on, but yeah, I mean, to have that long-term mindset to think like 2028, I don't, especially your age, not a lot of people think that way. Like you tell people it's going to take a year to get stronger or a year to improve your gymnastics or whatever it is in CrossFit. People are like a year and you're thinking 2028, that's seven years away. Yeah. So did you always have that like long-term mindset or is that something that you've worked on as an athlete with your coach or anything like that? Um, so Dane and I, the coach at, at Grod Strength, we've talked many times about, um, making international teams, um, Olympics, uh, as we obviously both believe that I have the potential of making the Olympics at some point. I mean, like we said, 2020, 2028 is still seven years away. So that is plenty of time to make the improvement needed to, in my opinion, squeak into the Olympics. Um, but there were a lot of times, especially earlier in the career, just trying to make like the junior Pan Am team, not necessarily the highest of the international team standings, but something to get your foot in the door with international meets. Um, it was helpful to go to garage strength. And at the time you had like uh, uh, Jake still being there, Jake course, he was made on some, a few uh, international teams, like junior teams, Haley Reichardt, uh, her brother was still training at the time, Tanner Reichardt. He made a few teams. Um, so it was really beneficial to see that, that garage strength at the time was sending athletes on international teams, albeit at the time we were all juniors still, and now we're all relatively seniors. However, we have picked up some junior youth that are incredibly good at the gym. Um, so at that time earlier in my career, especially while I was still younger, nine, 18, 19, 20 years old, um, the short term was very much in my mind and being that young, that kind of is how it is anyways. Um, it definitely took some time for me to go, okay, my goal is Olympics at some point. What is the best chance of me making the Olympics? I could go, okay, well, we were pushing for 2020 at the time for a year or two, especially when I made the uh, senior world team in 2018. We go, okay, well, I made the world team kind of barely. Uh, I think I was eighth or something out of 10. And I go, I'm not even close to making the requirements for the Olympics. But the fact that I made it shows I have the potential to one day maybe get there. So we were kind of pushing for 2020. That's what led me to get to the point of, I was so burnt out from all the training, all the travel to try and make the 2020 Olympics that I needed that time off. Um, sorry if my dogs are squeaking their toys. No, it's all good, man. Um, and then we go, okay, well, there's a chance for 2024. That's still a bit of a push. It, it, there's a chance. So we'll, we'll keep that in consideration. But I want to look... At the very least, I want to be at, at the very least a one-time Olympian, um, which would be a huge accomplishment just for anyone in general. Any athlete say, I went to the Olympics, even if it's just once. Even if you placed last, you still made it to the Olympics, right? So the, my best shot at that, I believe, is 2028 because I have so many years ahead of me that I can work on development. So many uh, mesocycles and microcycles of working on technique, refining it, working on everything needed to get to that point where I can make the Olympics. And if it's seven years down the road, at the time of our conversation today, that that's when I make the Olympics, then that's what we're going to be shooting for. And everything in between are going to be small steps to getting there, like Pan Am teams, senior world teams, and any other maybe smaller international meets. So what do those small steps look like? Like, you're describing them as small steps, but there's a lot of improvement. And I'm not saying like you need to make a lot of improvements, but I'm saying like if you look at the totals of the Chinese lifters, the Russian lifters, like what are those small steps along the way that, that you think you need to get better at? So this is where I become very uh, hypercritical of myself 
and where um, Dane and I both agree, and especially Dane agrees, that my my education um, in athletic training is a bachelor's, a master's degree in sports science and rehab, and all my other uh, smaller certifications I have does not help me because <laughs> I'm very hypercritical. Um, oh, moose, stop. Sorry. Chewing on the drapes. Um, <laughs> but steps like improving technique, um, both me and my coach can look at technique. I take a lot of videos of myself while training. Um, basically, any working set I do, I have a camera on me. So that way I can go back and analyze, okay, maybe I didn't necessarily feel exactly what was wrong. A lot of the times I can. I can tell once when I do a lift, okay, this is what was wrong. I go watch the video and just confirm it. Sometimes I can't feel what was wrong. Maybe I'm just not having a great day and my mind body isn't super well connected that day. Um, so that's where the camera really comes in help. Um, so stuff like that technique, um, mobility is a big one. I've had terrible ankle mobility for my entire career. And it's just something that I know if I spend some time working on, it'll get better and it'll drastically help. Um, I need to get stronger. Um, although my squats are relatively up there for my gym, um, they're not nearly strong as I'd like them to be, which is why, uh, right now me, uh, Logan and, uh, Hampton Morris are in this little squat off battle. Um, and then other steps like, um, just doing well at, at national meets going more like five for six, six for six performances. Um, and then steps to get to that point would be like going to some local meets and just opening super light and just doing a few local meets in a row where you just become used to hitting six for six performances to build that confidence. And like I said earlier, create that spark that lights the fire. You're just getting the ball rolling on six for six performances. You, you obtain that confidence that you're going to do well. And when you have that confidence walking onto a platform, it'll carry over even into the next stage. So doing a ton of local meets going five for six, six for six, you gain that confidence, go do some lower level national meets like these series. And again, you may just want to open up if it's not a super important meet for me to like make a team, we may go there and uh, try and hit a five for six or six for six performance. And then that will get to the point where when I'm at a national meet, that is important for me to make a team. I have that confidence that the past seven, eight meets I've done, I've gone five for six, six for six. And I can be very confident that I will make that lift. Um, so those are kind of the steps we're taking. Um, I really wanted to implement that like local to national level meet type style for six for six performances uh, when I came back from my break. But obviously with the pandemic still on, local meets are happening, but it's a little bit, there's not as many as there used to be at the time. So it's a little bit more difficult to get to them. Um, so I think we'll slowly be implementing that soon. But like those are the kind of steps, just kind of what any normal weightlifter would think of steps to get better technique, mobility, getting the right sleep and nutrition, working on strength, and then working on their um, competition performance is really big, especially confidence in competition. Yeah. And going back to like USA weightlifting being kind of always a tryout, like you don't really get that luxury to go to a meet and be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to have fun and enjoy it. Like you're kind of you're always needing to perform at peak shape. Yeah. And there were a few months in a row. I, I do a national meet uh, like once every month. And there's, it's so difficult to get better, you, whether it be technique or strength or anything like that. When you're doing, when, when you've gone to 12 meets and of some kind, be it two or three of them were at local meets, but that you're peaking for, 12 meets or you're training through, but you still have to travel and cut weight to get to those meets. Um, doing that 12 times in the span of a year is, was brutal, which is again, why I took that break and led to the burnout a little bit. Yeah. So I have a few questions off that. So the 200 squat challenge, I've been following that on Instagram and it looks like you could do it today. I don't know why you're not just like, you're just messing around at this point. Uh, there, there's some days where I feel like I could do it, but uh, many days where I, I, there's no way. Like today, there was, I trained today this morning before this call, and uh, <laughs> no way I could do a 200. I put, I think I put like 210 on my on the front rack a few weeks ago, and it just it felt like it was about to just destroy me. I held it for a few 15 second holds, and I'm just like shaking the whole time. I'm like, how am I supposed to do 10 kilos less than this? <laughs> It'll take some time. 
Yeah, I mean, just the way you stand up squats, though, is insane. Like, your leg strength is... So, what, let's talk about your numbers, like, when you first got into weightlifting. Like, your first meet, what did you... Do you remember your total and stuff? Uh, my first meet, I only ever competed once as a youth. I was 17. It was at a Malvern prep meet. Um, I actually competed against Jake ever before I knew of garage strength. And I actually have a video of Dane poking his little head out from behind a little barrier. It was kind of funny. Um, I snatched, I don't fully remember what the kilogram was in the snatch. It may have been like 85 maybe as a 69. Uh, and I think I clean and jerked 116. I think I cleaned 120. The, I, Honestly, I don't fully remember, so I could be getting that wrong, but I think that's what it was. Um, Jake beat me in the snatch. I beat him in the clean and jerk. I don't know who won the total. Yeah, I think so. That was my first meet. Um, after that, do you, do you have like a timeline that you want to know numbers? No, I mean, we don't have to go into that, but like, do you think you came into weightlifting like they knew you were going to be good? Like, did you have a coat? Like, did Dane know at your first meet like oh I need to coach this kid like he's going to be something special or were you just kind of like oh yeah I'm not really sure if I'm good at this or not uh I'd like to think that he thought that way um his first official meet that he coached me at was actually at 2016 junior nationals um and he had uh he had only been coaching me for a month and a half at that point I think it was like December 31st of 2015 is when I first uh, uh, reached out to him and went to his gym. And then we coached me for about a month and a half and went to junior nationals. I think I snatched 110. No, I think 115. I think I had a big blue. And then I clean and jerked 145, 146. But I was a 77 at the time. Um, I was a little chunky then. So, I was a 77 so I'd like to think that he thought I would do well I thought I was good I thought I was the uh can I swear yeah go ahead I, I thought I was the shit so I mean but that's I guess that's what you get when you're an 18 year old soon to be 19 year old kid who was probably the strongest one in your university gym and uh in all reality you're not really that good but do you still like do you enjoy that when you kind of go into the gym and I know garage strength seems super competitive, but like, do you kind of go into the gym and know that, does it feel good that you can like squat more than everybody else and most likely clean and jerk and snatch more? Like, do you, does that ever cross your mind? Uh, when I was making the 2019, um, senior Pan Am and senior world team, that was the case. And I did enjoy that. And this is where I've told other athletes and other people before that I know I have a bit of an ego. Um, I try and keep it pretty humble, but I know deep down that I have a bit of an ego. So I like to use that when I train. Hence why you see um, me training a lot of times at other gyms. Because sometimes if I'm not necessarily in a good mindset for, say, a few days, I'll go, okay, I don't want to go to garage strength because at this time there's so many other really good athletes there. They don't even have to be in weightlifting, but they're so strong that I go, okay, I'm not even going to be the one squatting relatively close to the most weight today if I go there. So I'll go to like a local gym that we have here that has bumper plates, platforms, um, and some Brogo higher bars, and I'll lift there. And I'll be snatching 250 or more, and the person beside me is deadlifting 135. So that's where I go, okay, I can use this because I know I have a little bit of that ego deep down. Where everyone else, I'll be, I'll try and be pretty humble about it, but I know I can kind of tap into that and train really well, which is why I tend to train well, not necessarily in a, um, a setting by myself. So like when I'm in my garage, which is actually just behind me, and I have a small gym set up there, I actually tend to not train super well unless I have like a friend over training with me. I, I'm not great at training by myself, 
but I'm really good at training around other people, especially if they're not into weightlifting, but they're doing maybe some weightlifting movements or it's just like a, a legitimate globo gym type setting, but they have platforms and bumpers because I can go look at all these people there's I can see them staring at me. I'm going to put on a little bit of a show. And when I do that, I train super well because you obviously want to impress. So that's why I like to train a lot of times at other gyms because I can get a little bit of that ego boost, which makes me train really well. So it, it's beneficial to know that I have a little bit of that ego because I can tap into that to train. Um, so yes, at, at one point, um, I thought it was really cool to be like the strongest in the gym. But when Jake started beating me, I go, oh, this isn't so fun anymore. I like the competition and I want to beat him, but I need to find a way that I can tap into this to get more motivation. And one of that ways, like I said, was going to a different gym here and there. I mean, I'm obviously still going to garage strength, but I can use other gyms to, uh, to push me to another level. Yeah. I think a, a little bit of that ego is definitely healthy. And I know, um, I, I mean, at this point it's probably been a year and a half, but you were at my gym, Westchester weightlifting one time and, uh, we were sharing a platform. I don't even know if you knew who I was, but <laughs> I, I think I was doing clean pulls with what you were snatching <sighs> and, uh, and I just remember like you, you had the video on you, like you were looking at every rep and if you didn't do something perfectly, like you were pissed off, you could see that you wanted every single rep to look the exact same. So was there a point like when you hopped into weightlifting right away, were you just always like, I want my movement to look perfect or did that kind of develop with time? Um, I'd say to a certain extent, I always wanted it to look really good. Even in CrossFit, when I was just doing weightlifting movements, I was always watching weightlifting videos um, that you could imagine. Cal Strength was a big one. Um, at the time, Travis Mash, I was watching a lot of his videos and stuff. Just any Catalyst Athletics, anything that I could get my hands on to watch Olympic weightlifting movement to work on techniques, the new technique was very important. Um, I wanted to get better at. So when I got into weightlifting, I was always very hypercritical of that. Um, Actually, as you mentioned, when I was at, at Westchester a few times, um, I would go there either before or after I actually went to, uh, to John Herding um, to get some PT. That was actually after the 2018 Senior Worlds where I competed on a, uh, a strained quad tendon, like bet between the uh, quadriceps and the patella where it inserts on. I had a strain. I don't necessarily know exactly how bad I never got an MRI, but there was I could feel a little bit of a, an indent in my quad tendon. So... I guess there was a chance I could have torn it, but I competed on it at Worlds. Um, so I wanted to do some rehab. And then when I was at your gym, that's kind of like that idea. Like I liked kind of being one of the stronger ones there. Kind of wanted to show off a little bit. But like you said, always had the, the camera on me, very hypercritical of my, of my movement, especially at the time. It was my first ever bomb out. And I did it at the Senior World Championships the first time I made a senior team. First bomb out, did it there. And uh, – that was a big motivating factor for me to, to even take the sport way more seriously was um, after a 72 hour travel back home that day, I still, I went to PT. Um, and from there, everything became much more serious. Again, the nutrition, sleep, recovery, technique, everything was, was very serious at that moment, uh, that moment in time. So walk us through kind of what that, what that was like when you get off the platform, you bomb out at, at worlds, like what's going through your head? Um, it was pretty brutal. Um, I knew that there was always a potential that I'll bomb out and more than likely that I would bomb out at some point, obviously wished that it would not be at senior worlds. So, um, I got called for a press out on my first clean and jerk, um, missed the second, I guess, missed the second jerk. And I, I don't even remember exactly what happened. I have to go back to watch the three jerks. Um, but I think I dropped the third jerk behind me, just put my hands on my hips, walked off, just felt like a disappointment. Dane wasn't there at the time. He was, uh, his wife was having twins. Um, so he didn't come with me. And uh, the first thing I did was when I got back to my chair, um, I texted him. I put, Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, bombed out. Well, I don't even think I said I bombed out. I just said, I'm sorry if I disappointed you of any kind. And, uh, I mean, gonna be honest, put my, uh, put my towel over my head 
uh, shed a few tears for a few minutes. And then I, I, I said to myself, well, I'll give you five minutes to, uh, to wallow in yourself and then, you know, get back together. I went to, actually, I went to the training hall right after in, uh, in Ashgabat. The training hall was just across the street from uh, the competition hall. So I walked across the street, went to the training hall and did as much as I could. Tried to do a goblet squat. Couldn't even do that because of my knee because it was so painful. So it was emotionally, it was pretty brutal, but almost immediately I knew it was going to, going to lead to a lot of success for me because that was going to be super motivating. I actually put the moment that I bombed out as like the back screen on my phone for a few months. Um, I put it as a photo in my, in my basement at the time I was still living at my mom's house. So I put it in the basement where I had a platform down there and like in front of me. So I could remember that moment a lot. Um, I also remember feeling as if, uh, uh, again, there wasn't a ton of support um, at that moment. It was time where it would have been nice to have, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this person's name because it was a very good positive moment, actually, that I, I gained a lot of respect. Kevin Simons, at the time, Harrison Morris's coach, he was there to help me. And uh, I had other coaches there. And the second I bombed out, um, they turned away, walked away, didn't say anything, didn't talk to me basically for a few hours after that. And I felt as if they kind of deserted me. And uh, the only person that remained there was Kevin Simons. He walked me down the stairs, put his hand on my shoulder just talking to me like, Hey, you know, this is going to suck for a little bit, but you'll get over it. You'll use this motivation. He made sure I was cool. And granted the other coaches, they had Alex Lee there that they still had to take care of. But at the time I felt as if, you know, I was just a robot to them and, Oh, I just didn't perform the way I needed to. So that's it. Throw them in the trash and move on to the next. And that's, that's me, you know, that's how I took it, whether that was the case or not, but that's how I took it. But Kevin Simons was there and he was, gained a ton of respect for him at that moment because um, he really helped me kind of address my emotions at that time. So a big shout out and thank you to him. Don't know if I'll ever hear this, but big shout out and thank you to him at that moment. That really meant a lot to me. Yeah. I bet like you put in, you put in all this work for six lifts and if it doesn't go well yeah, and especially like you're dealing with an injury. So I, I just can't imagine like walking off that stage and it's like you kind of you did everything you could at that point like there's nothing else that you could do differently but when it when it doesn't happen and like anyone who's an athlete knows like there's always potential that you're gonna fail and when you fail it sucks and it feels like the worst thing ever yeah and then basically uh a year later I guess was it a year later Utah the uh AO I think AO finals in Utah I bombed out again and uh, obviously wasn't nearly as bad as bombing out at Worlds. Um, but that was also the time where I started to, was losing a little motivation. And I go, oh, well, I guess I'll move on. So, um, but yeah, it was Worlds first bomb out. That was, that was pretty hard. But yeah, definitely used it as good motivation to, uh, to train really hard and really well at that moment. Yeah. And for the people listening, you came back and made the World team again. So it's not like the story ended there where you bombed out. You were a one-time world team member. Like you made it the next year, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. I uh, I made senior Pan Ams that year um, and medaled in the snatch, I think. I had the weight on my shoulders to medal in the total and the clean and jerk and just couldn't – the story of my life, couldn't pull out the jerk um, and then made senior worlds again. And this is where I say like I feel like as if I'm like a good hobbyist weightlifter – because all these meets I've done, like, to a standard, I guess a standard everyday weightlifter who doesn't take it, like, super, super seriously, like, my lifts are good. But I'm not doing good enough in international meets that I feel as if I, like, necessarily deserve to be there, be called a great weightlifter. Like, I go to these international meets, and for some reason whatever the case may be, I'm not doing amazingly well there. I don't, I don't really get super nervous when I go on stage, especially at international meets. Like when I, in 2019 in uh, uh, Thailand, and even actually I remember in 2018 in uh, Ashgabat, I walked onto the stage and I felt actually a lot more confident in myself than I do sometimes just walking up to the bar in my gym. Like I didn't have any nerves. I just don't know exactly what happened. Um, but like I say, like I don't, 
I don't consider myself a great weightlifter because at these international meets, I just can't seem to be pulling out really good totals like I know I can be. So until that day happens, I don't necessarily consider myself a great weightlifter. Well, maybe you need the uh, the special supplements that they got in China <laughs> or Russia. That'd be nice. Hey, if USADA wasn't around, I that'd be nice. It would. How how often do you actually get tested? I know Jake said he gets tested a lot. Do you get like random USADA tests all the time? Uh, I used to. It's been a, it's been a while. Maybe if they someone hears this podcast from USADA, I'll, I'll have one come knocking on my door. It's been a little bit. Um, I more so now get tested at, at national meets. Um, recently, I got, not super recently, a few months ago, I got tested at Garage Strength. Um, I've had one come to my door at like 7 a.m. It was like this time last year at like 7 a.m. I heard a knock on my door. I opened it up. Oh, what's up, guys? Um, Jake gets tested more than me. Um, it's helpful when you can snatch 141 that you'll get tested. Um, I'm not quite as good at the moment as Jake. Uh, so, or I guess officially I'm not quite as good as Jake. He's the one who made the, um, Pan Am team again. And I did not. So they'll test him a little bit more than me. It's been a while actually since I've been tested. So I'm probably due. Yeah. Well, you put up that, what, 175 clean the other day. So they probably saw that and were yeah. like, all right, we got to get back. I've got to get back to him. I've been doing pretty good the past few weeks. So yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe in two weeks, if I clean 180 or 182 from the blocks maybe they'll come test me yeah as soon as you post that video they're gonna be like all right send them out <laughs> yeah no. yeah it's kind of, do you ever get like i've asked a couple of people this like do you ever get kind of demotivated when you see these people who are putting up these huge totals and it's they're probably doing something extra uh i wouldn't say demotivated i've come to the the terms and realizations just accept that basically um everyone in the a session at a world uh, championship is uh, the best of the drugs. Everyone in the B session is uh, the best of the half drugs, half clean. And then everyone in the C session is the rest. So um, not not super unmotivated by seeing these huge lifts by athletes who are more than likely taking some form of enhancement. Um with that being said, like the Chinese do have amazing technique, which does play a big role. Uh, so you, know, you always got to think maybe there is a small chance that like China just is really good technically. And, you know, they train professionally. They train three times a day. They house them in basically dorms and all they do their entire life is just train weightlifting from the time they're like seven until the time they retire. So maybe, but then you also have a ton of people still getting popped. So I, it doesn't demotivate me because I know at some point in my life, I could probably clean and jerk 182 if I act and train and recover as if I am a professional athlete like I used to. Again, take recovery, nutrition, supplements, meaning USADA, like you can take the supplements like protein, creatine and stuff yeah. like that. And taking training super seriously, maybe one day I could clean and jerk 180 or 182. Um, because I know at some point I have that potential. Like I've clean and jerked 170. I've cleaned above 170 a handful of times now. Um, I've jerked 177 off of blocks and I'm not good off of blocks. I, I've never been good. I feel like I should be jerking 185 right now if I'm cleaning 175. So um, I know there's a potential that I could be incredibly good. So it doesn't demotivate me seeing these big lifts because I know at some point in my life, if I train the way they do, I could probably be as good as them or at least very close to as good as them. Um, so it's, I know I am the one who is ultimately in control of how good I get and I can't really control what they're doing. So looking at their technique and the lifts, their, the numbers are hitting. It's like, all right, that's pretty cool. Maybe one day I can do that too. If I try yeah. Do you like, I know you have a house, you have a wife, like, you have priorities. So it's like, do you ever see yourself kind of going all in being like, all right, I'm not, cause you, if you want to get to that level, like you, you really can't have a full-time job. You can't do anything else like besides train and go to PT and do mobility work. Like you got to sleep eight, nine hours. Yeah. Like, do you ever see a point where you get to that? Like you want to do that? I, 
again, this is kind of where like the support comes in. Cause if you are wanting to get to that level, you need to have some form of extra, especially financial support. I have a house, I have bills to pay. Um, you need some form of financial support for that. And at the moment, it's, it is a struggle that I think about pretty regularly on can I ultimately give what or give the time and effort it takes to get to that point. Can I do that with the responsibilities I have? Um, I think there is a chance if I, if I become incredibly strict with my daily planning um, and how I go about doing things, maybe I can. Um, I, I feel like at the moment I would need to have a little bit of a career change in order to, to meet those needs. Um, so for instance, like my wife is now doing real estate um, and she's incredibly busy because she's putting the time to, to be very successful in it, but she ultimately can kind of come up with her own schedule. And I actually just had a conversation with her about this today of you need to schedule in time for yourself to be able to work out. She loves working out, but she hasn't hardly done it in the past few weeks because of how busy she's been. You need to schedule time for yourself to be able to work out. Um, and that's something where like a career almost like that would allow me to do that. At the moment, I feel like I could ultimately put in the time and effort it takes to get to that level. It is very much a challenge though um, with finances and training and work to get to that point which is why I've taken on some other things. Like I have a little bit of a wood chop business that I like to do. It's just a gun. Again, it's a fun hobby that I really like to do, but I can sell some smaller items that I can like ship out and things to make a little bit of a profit. So I can pay like student loans and take that off me. But that time creating those items can also potentially take time away from training and still having a full-time job with work and doing like that wood shop business. I then have to schedule training in there. So it, it's a challenge. It really is. I think there's a chance that I could po probably put in the time and effort needed. Um, but it, I think it'll come one day at right now. I don't know if I necessarily have the time to do it at the moment to, to say, get that Olympic level. I think as we get closer to like 2028 Olympics is when I'll probably put that effort into it. Yeah. I feel like you got to start like doing a YouTube channel or, or something to, you know, just make that extra money. We actually did have um, a listener question pop in from Eric, and he wanted to know how, like, you got started with the wood business and and kind of what's been what's been fun with that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so I come from Eastern Lancaster in Pennsylvania, which is kind of known for Amish country. So the high school I went to had a wood shop class. My brother, older brother, did that. He very much enjoyed it. He's actually now a home remodeler. He owns his own home remodeling business. And uh, so I did wood shop. I enjoyed it. When we bought our home um, in October of 2019, it, our home was built in 1970 and basically looked as if it stayed from 1970 and no one really cleaned it much. So we like ripped it apart. Um, I spent three months uh, renovating it a lot. Um, many hours every day here and working on it. I built wood countertops and shelves and closet systems and our, the table I'm using right now, our dining table I built. Um, so I kind of got into it that way and I wanted to do some other wood projects like I wanted to build um, wood burnt American flags, um, some other things. So as we got more settled in the home this past year and with COVID, um, I had a little bit more free time at home got some tools slowly over time, played around with uh, uh, creating some new designs and new products. So that's kind of how I got into the wood shop. I, I always liked doing things with my hands. I actually, a little side story is I used to be really big into like the hobby grade RC cars. So very mechanical. I love the, uh, the electronic version of it. So I learned all about motors, ESCs, LiPo batteries, all that stuff. So I've always been really big with like doing things with my hand mechanically and woodworking is it's not quite as obviously mechanically inclined but it's a lot of fun to be able to work with something and you start off with the rough pieces of wood and you finish with a really cool product so my favorite things that i like to make now are like those flags i love making wood burn american flags i have a cricket so i love like designing things on my computer printing it out using the stencils so i can make like custom logos on the on the flags i've made 
uh, constitution preambles on the stripes. I like doing that. I make uh, like stovetop covers, like farmhouse type designs of them. Um, just some simple coasters, other small items I can make. Um, I've made a few uh, uh, dinner tables for people. Um, I made a few, uh, for those who are into firearms, I've made a few concealed carry um, wall mount, um, uh, like American flag wall mounts. So things like that I love making. So again, it's just something fun, takes your mind off of it. You can spend a few hours, I have it in my basement. So spend a few hours in my basement working on products. And at the end, you start with rough cut lumber and you finish with a really cool product. It's just something that you can enjoy with. Yeah. Where can people go if they want to, if they want to buy one of your products? So I have, um, my Instagram, I don't do a ton with, which I really need to do. I think it's like Wissinger's Woodshop, I think is the Instagram account. I technically do have a website. Again, it's Wissinger's Woodshop. It's W-I-S-S-I-N-G-E-R-S and then Woodshop. And then I opened an Etsy recently. I don't, I'm not super familiar with really how it works, but again, I think it's like the same name. Um, I'll have to look, but um i don't have a ton of products on there i do a lot more like customized stuff i just get messages from people if i can build something i have standard products but like they can be customized but honestly i I take more so like hey can you do this for me and i'm like yeah this is kind of what it'll cost to do cool with it yeah all right let's do it so uh i'm open for orders (laughs) if anyone hears this and they want to order something I, i can basically build anything for the most part if it needs shipped probably try to keep it a little smaller but i can do it Awesome, man. Well, I'll definitely get that linked up. I feel like we'll definitely have to do a round two. Like there's so many different areas that we can take this. What's uh, let's just finish up with like, what's the next goal in weightlifting? Like, what are you trying to chase right now? Uh, I'd love to make the, um, 2021 senior world team again. Um, cause although it's the same year as the Olympics, because it's 2021, I believe we are still supposed to have a senior world team. Um, so Jake has the Pan Am team at the time of this recording. He is out with an injury that he had surgery on that he's recovering from. Um, I don't think I made the Pan Am team off of that though. Uh, So at the North American open one online, I'd like to hit a total that puts me on the senior world team that I don't have to go do another meet so I can spend months to train for. So I'd like to make the 2021 senior world team. That's, that's the next goal. Um, Hopefully I can hit that in two weeks or so. Awesome, man. Well, uh, yeah. And like I mentioned at the beginning, I'll probably cut that part out, but, uh, Logan and I, I don't know if I'm going to do 67, but Logan definitely wants you to take it easy. I, I guess you can't do that trying to make it on this no, world no. team, but Sorry, uh, Logan, yeah, I got to try and make the world team. Yeah. So basically you're probably your opening snatch will be higher than most people's opening clean and jerk or third attempt clean and jerk. Uh, maybe. I mean, I'm not amazingly good at the snatch yet where that's something that we're really trying to focus on because my cleans are pretty good. Uh, the snatch is, we, we have a bit of ways to go. So we'll probably open me up. We, we tend to open me up at like the same weight around 125 to 127, we'll probably go somewhere around there and, uh, we'll, we'll see how I feel after that. Awesome, man. Well, good luck. Uh, I look forward to following your journey. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Once again, thanks Jordan for coming on the show. If you guys enjoyed this one, just take a quick screenshot and tag us both on your Instagram story. We would both highly appreciate that. And if you want to support Jordan's business, that is Wissinger's Woodshop. So that will be linked up in the show notes as well. This one was something that was highly recommended. So I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope it delivered and I will talk to you guys on the next one.